Good morning, Manchester, and to those of you in surrounding towns, welcome to Hour 3 of Gerard at Large. I am your ever-humble host, Rich Gerard. Thanks for tuning in. You can find us online at Gerard at Large, and you can find us on Facebook and Twitter, also at Gerard at Large, where we encourage you to like us and to follow us because we just want to be loved and in situations like we've had today where space aliens have captured the technical people responsible for correcting the issues that have us not on the air. Thankfully, we're streaming and there are lots of you following us right now on the stream. Josh, by the way, um, just for, not for nothing, but have you been uh, sometimes, you know, when things go down, you, you take the archives and you get them right up onto uh, Facebook. Have you been doing that? No. Could you please? Just uh, just get them out there, you know, for what it's worth. That way people can at least, uh, you know, grab the podcasts and go. <sighs> Very aggravating. Uh, this segment brought to us by Manchester Mayor Ted Gatsis. He says Manchester is undergoing a renaissance and he's crafted a blueprint to harness that energy. Part of the blueprint, of course, is tackling the opioid epidemic. He says it's the number one public safety issue facing the city and that uh, he's proud of the nationally recognized safe station program that has helped so many people find treatment, something he pushed for very hard. He also says that while we have to continue the efforts with focus and diligence, we must also identify safe, affordable recovery housing within the city. The collective results of our efforts, our overdose fatalities are down and our programs are working and uh, I-, I don't know, would you want to bet that if Ted Gatzis says he's going to find a way to find recovering housing, he's going to? Anyway, learn more about his 12-point plan to harness Manchester's new energy for the future by visiting tedgatzis.com slash plan. That's tedgatzis.com slash plan. Okie doke. Um, 606-6762 if you'd like to call in. That's uh, 606-6762. Gotta, gotta love this, huh? <laughs> so I, uh, well, education is education is uh, going to be our next segment. Felix Alvarado will be in for Is Our Children Learning? Which, uh, Makes me think. I was at uh, Highland Goffs Falls School last night because uh, Superintendent Vargas uh, has done yet another traveling road show to engage parents across the district. He did one at Parker Varney on Tuesday night, which I could not attend because I was at my own kid's open house at West High School. And he did one at Highland Goffs Falls School last night. And what it was was to present the new testing that the city is doing of kids. And uh, you may know that the Board of School Committee, see, this is how screwed up things are in the city of Manchester, right? We will argue to the death over and over again over cupcakes, okay? But when something like the uh, a, a, an overhaul of how we assess children and how we're going to use the data from those assessments to better teach them comes before the board, it literally went through the board on what's called the consent calendar, which means it will only be discussed if someone pulls it off the calendar and asks about it. So it went through on the consent calendar without any questions, without any discussion, nothing. 
Now, I'd like to think as a member of the Curriculum and Instruction Committee that we did such a phenomenal job working with the staff to, you know, straighten out what we thought were, you know, our issues and concerns. Like, you want to do what with kindergarten kids? Yeah, I'll take credit for making the motion that banned mandatory testing of kindergarten kids. Now, if if a teacher wants to test a kindergarten kid, there's got to be a reason and the parent has got to say yes. I tried to get that extended through the second grade, but I'll have to take another bite at that apple. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so it went through without any questions. So last night at Highland Gospels, what Superintendent Vargas did was he scheduled a couple evening sessions in different sections of the city where parents could come and learn about the changes to the assessment system, which, by the way, will result in several hours less testing of Manchester's uh, elementary school kids in particular and provide the district with a uniform testing method that is used at every elementary school and every middle school that will not only track the child's progress from testing period to testing period across the ages, but will allow the uh, district to use the aggregate data of all the kids in each school to assess how the schools themselves are doing both as entities unto themselves, are they as schools making progress and getting kids to levels of proficiency and versus each other? And it's not because we necessarily want to pit schools against one another, but gee, if a school seems to be doing really well, say Parker Varney, who's, uh, uh, we're using something called the iReady test. Parker Varney has been using iReady for a while. And so if we see a school like Parker Varney, where all of a sudden the kids test scores go from showing a third of them or fewer are proficient in math and English to 80% of them within a year, we can look at what Parker Varney's doing and saying, um, how'd you do that? And figure out how that success can be duplicated at other schools in the district. Okay. And so this is a very important milestone. And you know, what's really frustrating about this milestone though. When the school district commissioned an audit, what's called a curriculum audit, one of the key things it identified was the inability of the district to evaluate how well its various academic programs were doing in teaching kids because there was no uniform method of assessment. One school might use iReady. Another school might use something called NIWA. A third school might use something called running records or whatever it was. We had multiple different tests, sometimes all being used within the same school. And there was zero consistency in the tests across the district. So it was impossible to come up with an evaluation of how well the 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 teachers or the schools were doing educating kids and it was completely impossible to evaluate the efficacy of the academic programs and approaches being used that was identified in a curriculum audit more than five years ago five years ago and guess what the board did nothing because the administration that was supposed to take that those recommendations that would be the administration of deborah livingston and say hmm to identify to correct this issue identified in the curriculum audit we propose x 
In fact, what they did was they actually proposed more different kinds of tests and more different kinds of approaches without a system of evaluating them. So it was a a major thing. And here we have Dr. Vargas once again going to the parents to say, hey, this is what this is how this is going to work for your kids. This is what you as a parent need to look out for. This is how it will help you get involved in your parents' education. We have former Hooks at School Board member John Liskars on the line. Good morning, John. Good morning, Rich. How are you today? Unbelievable, as always. Well, you know, that's great to hear. You've been up earlier than most of us. Uh, You've probably uh, had your cup of coffee already. And so I think you're probably ready for a quiz. Oh, geez. All right. So, you know, you if you think of a child at home, uh, who's the most important person to that child at home? I'd say it's mom and dad. Mom and dad. It's the parents. So when that child gets dropped off at school, though, who's the most important person in that child's life at school? I would say it's probably the teacher. You are, you're batting a thousand so far, Rich. So okay. now I have the question. If the teacher is the most important person to the child at school, can you tell me why we have Common Core and we have dumbed-down education rules for these very smart teachers who have lots of very powerful education degrees? Why are we dumbing down the system? Why aren't we using those teachers to their best potential? Can you answer that question for me? Uh, because the union for millions of dollars from the Gates Foundation sold them down the river to make it, uh, and with a secondary mission of having to create more members by having things get so bad in the classroom, the only answer would be more teachers that made more money. Rich Gerard, you never disappoint me with your answers, because <laughs> you're right on the money. So now I'm going to ask you a, a big, big uh, 50,000 foot view question. Why shouldn't the state of New Hampshire lead the nation in switching this model, dumping it on its head, and reversing the model from a top-down education approach to a bottom-up education approach, which involves teachers, superintendents, parents, and school board members deciding what is good for child's education and percolating those good practices up to the state level where we meet in committees and then percolating that up to the federal level where those um, great ideas can be shared around the country and make America great. Because I, and I with think that, that I with think... that, with the, I was just going to just finish with that model, Rich. The whole Department of Education, the big de- uh, big bureaucracy we have, can be whittled down to a very very small group of people. Well, I think that's exactly what Commissioner Edelblue is trying to do. John, I thank you for the call. We're up on the clock. Thank you, Rich. All right, we're going to take a break for traffic, weather, and sports. When we come back, we'll continue on education and maybe on testing, since he kind of opened up that topic a couple of weeks ago, with Felix Alvarado of Straight A Academy. Is our children learning is next. You're listening to the Dread at Large radio show. I'm Rich Gerard. Good morning.